Welcome to the second episode of Dead Bites, uh, the mini-suit series that's kind of a spin-off of sorts of our main podcast, Won't Stay Dead. Uh, this time I'm talking to directors Lucky McKee and Chris Sievertson about their new film, All Cheerleaders Die. Uh, it's an American high school revenge story that also manages to fit in pagan rituals and flesh-eating cheerleaders, so yeah. I spoke to them uh, ahead of the UK release, which I incidentally managed to get wrong in the interview, typically. Um, but yeah, uh, first up, here's the trailer. <laughs> Crazy friggin' dream. All four of you died last night. You don't feel anything about this? Is it our fault chicks can't drive for shit? What did you do? I saved you. I feel friggin' fantastic. Boys be dogs, girls be bitches, gangster. Buenos dias. Mr. Big Bad Wolf himself. I'm gonna ruin your perfect little senior year. There's only one outcome when people play games with me, Maddie. They lose. Playtime's over, Terry. We met at uh, USC um, Film School. Chris was in the production school, and I was in the screenwriting program. Um, and we were on this uh, dorm floor called the Cinema Floor. And Chris lived uh, two doors down from me. And uh, we just hit it off right off the bat. Had a mutual love of Scorsese and De Palma and certain rock bands and stuff, and just started hanging out. And uh, we've been kind of helping each other make movies ever since. We were, we were, I was 17 when I started USC. Chris, you were, you had just turned 18, maybe? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah 20, uh, 20 years ago. Right, yeah. And so, like, did you guys kind of sit and watch horror films together? Like, what, what were the horror films that, that, you know, kind of made you both realize you had a kind of an equal love of the uh, genre? It was, it was all kinds of different movies. Um, Back, you know, we went to USC and they had something called the Cinema Library where back then it was like all just really hard to find laser discs and stuff. Um, and uh, so we saw all kinds of stuff together in there. Like that was like right when Man Bites Dog came, uh, came out. Um, 
that was really exciting to us and like a lot of the early john woo stuff we discovered in there um and then for horror stuff we really started renting basically every horror movie we could find at like the local uh grocery store uh video rental place yeah <laughs> uh, just because they're you know we they're so much fun to watch we just go and rent like as many as we could afford at any given time and just watch them all night yeah so uh, is uh, all cheerleaders die the first um the first production that you've you've kind of worked on together uh well we'd we'd made a, a ton of uh short films uh high eight and super eight and 16 millimeter shorts at usc um and it'd be a year about a year after college um in 98, we decided, well, why don't we just make our first feature together? Um, and we got uh, one of the first mini DV cameras and an early home editing system uh, and just taught ourselves how to make a movie. Uh, and we shot it in uh, my the, the small town that I grew up in, a bunch of people sleeping on the floor and just you know figured out how to make our first movie. So that was kind of our, our, our introduction to feature filmmaking. And then from there, Chris and I uh, started making our own solo features in L.A., Right. Okay. So, what was the inspiration for uh, all uh, cheerleaders die in the end? Then, initially, or this, or this time around? Well, yeah, initially because didn't you kind of make uh, the uh, film that's coming out now is kind of almost a an upgrade of a of a previous version of the film that you'd done, as I understand it. Yeah, and in a way, I mean, it, it kind of it jumps off the same base concept, uh, which is just like this battle of the sexes, uh, football players versus cheerleaders, simple revenge plot. Um, and with the new one, we just tried to make it a little bit more complex and just you know have a little bit more depth of character and just apply what we'd learned since we made the first All Cheerleaders Die, which was our like I said our first foray into feature filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like, did did you have a kind of like did you have a higher budget? You know. Yeah, is it is it kind of a more polished uh, version, essentially? Yeah, the original one was you know really you know hardly any budget. We just you know made it with you know the first uh, mini DV cam that came onto the market, the Sony VX one thousand, which was a great evolution in digital video technology. And uh, you know we just each borrowed a little bit of money from our parents and. Um, and we were, we were the entire crew, you know, we shot it. We took turns operating the camera and holding the boom. Um, Lucky's mom came up and made food. And uh, you <laughs> know, cool. we, we did the costumes ourselves in the pre-production and, you know, dug the graves that the, in that, in that case, in the old movie, it was actual, um, you know, rotting zombie cheerleaders that pull themselves out of the grave. Um, so, so yeah, it's totally, totally different world. It was, you know, really... Uh, a backyard movie. Cool. Um, yeah. So, like, obviously, there's there's zombies in it, but it it kind of seems like it's it it starts off maybe like a kind of typical high school slasher, and then you know, kind of revenge plot, as you said. But then it goes into kind of paganism and supernatural stuff, and then there's also uh, zombies in it as well. So, it, it, is it almost like a kind of smorgasbord of your favorite elements of of the horror genre? Would you say? Yeah, it's a, I, you know, there's, I think, you know, we have all kinds of different things that we like in different horror movies. Um, so really it was just like a bunch of elements that just seemed to fit 
this story, you know, and we we're, you know, telling a teenage story. And, you know, when we think back to being teenagers, it was just such a crazy emotional time. Um, you know, and one day can be packed full of uh, so many different dramatic events, you know, that seemed like such a big deal at the time. Um, and so kind of going off of that kind of chaos of, of growing up as a teenager, um, when it, everything is such a, uh, you know, crazy smorgasbord, I guess, in itself each day. It's, um, yeah. you know, we kind of just jumped off of that and uh, just wanted to to tell a story that kind of kept changing gears um, to kind of keep the audience off guard as far as um, where it's going to go next tonally. Um, you know, again, uh, Lucky's called it, I think, uh, mood swings. Um, you know, it's like, like teenagers have, and we kind of wanted to have those kind of mood swings um, in a storytelling sense. Um, so yeah, we really tried to just kind of incorporate uh, a bunch of uh, fun stuff that we thought would, you know, make for an entertaining time at the movies. Yeah. In, in terms of genre stuff, we just kind of picked and choose, you know, pick and chose our, our, our favorite uh, pick and chose, evidently. <laughs> Uh, our favorite, you know, elements of things. We didn't really want to do like a straight zombie sort of a thing. I mean, Chris was saying, you know, once the girls are dead and we bring them back, I mean, it would suck if, you know, we have this this beautiful cast and then we just make them look like rotting zombies. Let's figure out a way to keep them looking, you know, like the characters that we established and still, you know, having their 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 personalities as opposed to just being mindless, flesh-eating zombies, which I thought was a really cool spin on things. And we took, you know, we took stuff from witchcraft mythology from you know vamp vampire mythology you know we just we just picked whatever you know felt right and just kind of applied it to our own little our own little form yeah cool the uh, title of the the film all, all cheerleaders die it's almost kind of like a throwback to the kind of exploitation films that were being made in the in the 1980s that's kind of what it reminded me of you know one of those punchy kind of tell it like it is titles was that kind of like was that um uh, on purpose was that the way you wanted uh, uh, people to kind of view the film as as kind of popcorn, ex- exploitative, fun horror. Uh, on on the surface, uh, and, and you know, I mean, those those kind of titles, you know, go further back than the eighties. I mean, they Corman really, you know, Corman and American International really kind of uh, uh, laid that groundwork. I think. Um, and we're obviously very influenced by, you know, the great B-movies and independent films of the 60s and 70s and the 50s as well. So, so you know, it has sort of that flavor and it has, you know, a catchy title like that that, you know, kind of makes you – makes it feel like it's going to be one type of thing uh, when you get into it. And then hopefully when people – actually watch the film they realize maybe there's there's a little bit more going on underneath the, those surface elements mm-hmm. yeah because uh, like perhaps another a- aspect of it you know w- when certain people maybe see the title and then also uh, are aware that uh, the the majority of the female cast are are, are incredibly good looking um, mm. you can kind of see how people might think that the film is maybe going to be in some way kind of misogynistic or sexist and and it's a it's a label that is leveled at horror films all the time, um, but as as far as you're concerned, I'm I'm assuming you know the the film contains strong kind of independent female characters who are you know kind of um, uh, important in themselves. Like, would you agree with that? 
Yeah, well, they're not, you know, hopefully they're not just one note characters. Hopefully, you know, they, they have they have multi dimensions, you know, whether they're good, good people or bad people or whatever. You know, we're not we're trying not to judge, judge them. We're just trying to show them and show their behavior because that's what interests us. Um, as far as like any like sort of like, you know, social commentary or anything like that, I don't think we really think about that as much as as we just we just do what feels right, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, is the uh, film particularly gory? Then is 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 that kind of something that you kind of relied on? Say say that again. Is the film particularly gory? Is the film particularly gory? Not not really. Chris Chris kind of insisted that we you know we don't get too crazy and in your face with that kind of stuff, which I thought was a good which I thought was a good approach. Mm-hmm. The original film was uh, really gory. Yeah, uh, a lot of blood and guts. Um, but yeah, I think on this one, it was just, uh, we were just kind of more interested in other aspects, you know, dwelling on other aspects of it, you know, so we yeah. don't want the movie to, to move fast, you know, it's a, quite a bit happens in 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. So part of it is just picking your battles and what you're going to spend time on. Um, and I think on this one, you know, just, uh, there's some definitely some bloody moments, but you know, none of them are really, uh, dwelt upon. We don't really linger on it. No, that's true. Yeah. So, like, when, like whenever you do kind of uh, feature gore in, in in films, do you kind of prefer the Sam Raimi, Peter Jackson kind of funny in your face gore, or do you prefer the kind of Dario Argento, Lucio Fulci kind of you know lingering, almost ill-meaning gore? You know, there's kind of two sides of the coin almost. I think we kind of like a mixture of both, wouldn't you say, Chris? I mean, I think it depends yeah. on what, what the needs of the scene are. Yeah, it really depends on on the material. Um, like I'm I'm into all those references that you just mentioned. Um, you know, something like uh, Dead Alive or over there. I don't know what is it called, Brain Dead. Yes, Brain Dead in Europe. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I love love that movie. Um, you know, and I love Argento and Fulci. Um, and and then I love you know like. Texas Chainsaw, where there's very little gore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's probably to me the best horror movie there is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, um, you know, it's, it's, it comes down to the material and just whatever feels right and the tone. You know. Yeah, that's that's kind of the interesting thing about Texas Chainsaw is that Toby Hooper kind of manages to let you leave the film convinced that you have just seen a really gory film, but. If you if you watch it again, you'll realize that there isn't actually any any blood, you know, really spilt on screen. So, like I can see what you're saying. Like, uh, you you can kind of do a lot with tone, you know, and you don't always need to revert to kind of mindless violence. Yeah, I mean, there's a place for everything. It's just you know, um, yeah. What keeps I guess cinema interesting is yeah, just have everybody kind of approaching all these things differently. So, uh, w- what has the uh, distribution been like for um, uh, All Cheerle- Cheerleaders Die? Did you take it on the festival circuit? Was it was it shown in like? Did you get an independent run um, before kind of doing a major release, or, or how did that work? Yeah, it uh, you know it premiered at the Toronto uh, Film Festival, the midnight section there. It was the opening midnight madness film, um, which was a huge honor. We both Chris and I had always wanted to show a film there. Um, and shortly after that, uh, we sold it to a North American distributor, 
and they kind of you know the, there's these new release models where they kind of do everything at once you know it was it was available on video on demand and then it was playing in theaters and select cities and then you know uh then it was available on blu-ray and then it came out on netflix instant it's just it's kind of just like a scattershot thing i'm still trying to get my head wrapped around how it all works <laughs> yeah um, it's, it's been available in just about every way that you can watch a movie in this day and age which is which is awesome because you know kids that don't live in those major cities still have access to it which i would have loved when i was a kid growing up in a really rural area you know yes i suppose so actually like you no longer have to wait for a for a kind of drive-in cinema to to show a film, you can you can just get it online. Yeah, but like, what, yeah. What, what hopefully the, legally. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. What was the uh, reception like at the at the Toronto uh, festival? Like, did you get a good good uh, response? Yeah, the crowd the crowd was you know it was a rowdy midnight crowd, um, uh, who were in the right frame of mind to to have fun with the movie. Mm-hmm. So I think it went really well. Um, you know, and it's, it's definitely not a movie for everybody. Um, you know, it's just kind of a, a crazy ride, you know, that kind of, it kind of operates by its own logic. And I think audience members kind of get that early on and you either kind of go with it or you don't. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've been, been really happy with, um, the response. Good stuff. I, I, I think, I think people were pretty, were, were pretty surprised, you know, cons- you know, they're, they're going in, you know, knowing films that Chris and I have made before as well. And I think that the, you know, the kind of overt sense of humor to the thing kind of took people kind of threw people for a loop for a second. Um, but the last festival that I went to, I went to one in El Paso a few weeks ago and they just ate it up. I mean, they were just, just laughing their asses off the whole time. It was great. They took it in the correct spirit, you know, um, it just depends on the festival really. But to, I felt great about the response at Toronto. I think it just kind of surprised everybody because it, you kind of can't tell where the story's going or what the, you know, it doesn't have an overall tone because the tone keeps shifting, which was our intention, you know? So it's, it's kind of fun to mess with, the formulas that people are kind of conditioned to um, and just trying to subvert those in any way we can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, like like whenever you're kind of getting the, the film distributed, do you have to get the uh, MPAA to look at it and to classify it? Because uh, as far as I understand it, in America, you can actually get away without without having your film classified. Isn't that the case? Because in in the UK and Ireland, you can't you can't uh, uh, distribute a film without the government appointed body first looking at it and classifying it. But in America, you can you can release unrated films, can't you? Yeah, uh, and and actually, I don't know about you, Chris. I don't know if Brawl, did Brawler go in front of the MPAA because this is the first movie I've had that hasn't gone through the ratings system. Um, yeah, Brawler did not. I it didn't. Think. Yeah, it's seeming yeah. to it's seeming to become less and less important here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really you really just need a rating if you're going to get a wide theatrical release because some of the major um, theater chains won't show uh, an unrated movie. All right, so it's just kind of dependent upon whether you're not you're you're kind of expecting it to. Yeah, some some theater chains will show it. Some have a policy where they won't. Um, but then. As far as VOD and DVD, you know, and all the home markets now, nobody it, nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming you you've kind of had to go through the the, the processes to get it released in um, in uh, Europe. 
but it because it's uh, actually coming out this month, isn't it? In you know for uh, UK and European audiences. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think we've had to um, change anything. <laughs> if if that has happened, it's been without our knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but it's really you know it's uh, like we were talking about you know there's not that much gore. Um, you know, I think if we had submitted it to the MPA here, it you know it would have gotten an R rating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's and I think it would get the equivalent of like you know eighteen or whatever they call it in Europe. But yeah. some some markets it's M mature. Um, so I think uh, yeah, I don't think it's a movie that would have in in most territories would have um, a problem getting you know whatever that kind of eighteen uh, year old classification is. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so like, are, are are there any kind of other projects that you're going to work on? Like, have you have you anything in the pipeline? Like anything coming up for the future? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we're you know we're always writing new things and you know trying to figure out what the next thing we can get going. You know, uh, whether it's a bigger budget thing or, or another indie. Um, I'm working on uh finishing up a new book and story with jack ketchum that i'm really excited about it's a story i've wanted to tell for a long time and uh brought ketchum in uh on it uh as a partner and uh it's coming out great um and yeah you know we 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 we're we're also curious to see how cheerleaders does because we you know we we've left it open uh you know we've got a larger story we'd like to continue um we just want to make sure enough people want to see it before we before we jump into that because you know there's a big time commitment to these things. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, it's 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 kind of always always interesting to see American horror fo- focusing on uh, the kind of American high school experience because for uh, Europeans it, it's it's very alien. You know, all all these things kind of like uh, uh, cheerleaders and and uh, prom queens and and, and uh, things like that. So <laughs> like. American horror has almost given Europeans a kind of insight into into uh, you know a, a, a American youth culture and popular culture, pro- probably more than any newspaper or you know or or, or any news network or anything like that. Um, so. Yeah, but it's 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 pretty rare you, that you see a film that actually represents it in any sort of a true way. I mean, right. it, it's it's usually presented in really broad terms. Uh, you know, if, if, if we'd have, you know, we, we talked about, you know, like, oh, let's cast real, you know, kids that look like real teenagers. And then we went and scouted some high schools and we saw, you know, we, I hadn't seen, I guess I hadn't seen real teenagers in quite some time and was just, they, they just looked so young that it would have been disturbing, you know, with, with our subject matter. So we had to kind of go a little bit more of the, the carry route and, 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 uh, have sort of movie age, you know? Um, so there's a bit of, you know, it's 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 kind of a mythic thing at some at at, at 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 this point I think like the high school the American high school film very rarely do you see something like Larry Clark's kids that represents uh, teenagers in a realistic way but we we're, we're trying to create something that teenagers could relate to you know um, but it's not exactly a, a, a realistic reflection of of real teenagers um, in a physical sense I guess yeah. No, but I mean, I suppose that's probably a good thing, isn't it? It's it's kind of it's it seems it seems to be that kind of film that that is kind of uh, caricaturing everything. You know, it's kind of 
over-the-top storylines and kind of exciting, you know, jumps and twists and turns and things like that. So that's obviously that's obviously what you were trying to create anyway, you know? That, yeah, that, I'm trying to, give, trying to give teenagers heroes, you know, idealized sort of heroes in a way. I mean, am I off base here, Chris? Or <laughs> <laughs> No. Because <laughs> every, every, you know, what, what's cool about it is we have a large cast. I mean, there's ten major characters in the story, so each kid that watches the movie relates to a different character. Which yeah. which was which was definitely something we were going for. One kid'll like Hannah, and another kid'll like Martha, and another kid'll like Lena. You know, it's yeah. cool. There's kind of a variety pack for kids to choose from. Have you followed those 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 classic horror film tropes? You know, the 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 jock, the nerd, the the Joker, the the blonde, the you know. A little bit, but but you know, within that, you know, once once you sort of establish somebody, and they seem to be sort of pegged to be one thing. We did what we could to kind of subvert that and kind of open up and show that there's, you know, there's, there's, you know, a human being underneath that those surface elements. Which is kind of what the movie's about, with you know, yeah. Maggie, our main character, you know, starts the movie having very um, kind of set opinions about cheerleaders and that kind of crowd, and you know, looks down on them, and you know, starts to see that you know they're. In some ways, not much different than her by the end of the movie. Yeah, so you're kind of kind of keeping the audience on their toes in more more ways than one. Yeah, nice. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah, well, I uh, hope it does well. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I, I have a feeling it's out on Monday, perhaps in the UK. I think, or it's the ninth of September anyway, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we, we usually don't get exact information right. about <laughs> that kind of stuff. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's cool. So that's next week. I didn't realize it was that soon. That's I think it. so. If my research serves, serves me correct, it's 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 the uh, 9th of September, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that so. sounds about right. It premiered in the UK at Fright Fest uh, a couple weeks. Oh, I guess it wasn't a premiere because it played the London Film Festival uh, last year. Um, yeah. But I'm seeing UK UK cinema release September 12th is what I'm seeing. There you go. Okay, September 12th. Good, good stuff. Uh, um, yeah, well, uh, well, I mean that that's that's cool that 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 has played the London Film Festival. I mean that was that was the first time uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was ever shown in the UK. Was was at the London Film nice. Festival? This is a nice. So yeah, it's yeah. been around a long time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Didn't get to go to that one, but it seems like it would have been uh, cool. Um, so yeah, well, I think that kind of that about wraps it up, guys. Okay, cool. I'm glad we finally got to talk. Welcome to Squad, bitch.